The following presentation is brought to you by the Realm Network. Those clumsy fools I trained. <laughs> they were merely a way of delaying the turtles until I could complete my trap. Now I can destroy all of you. No matter what you do to me, my turtles will defeat you, Shredder. That's telling him, Master. Shredder, if you dare touch a whisker on his head... Not another step, or your furry sensei will be crushed. That rope, it leads to a battering ram. It's got away megatons. None of us could stop that thing. That's right, Turtles. Your master is about to become history. That was The Shredder, the arch enemy of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, voiced by actor James Avery, who passed away on December 31st, 2013. After voicing the Shredder, James Avery would become best known for playing Philip Banks, Will Smith's uncle on The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I think it's safe to say that The Fresh Prince TV show had more fans than the old Ninja Turtles cartoon, but that's not to say that the cartoon meant anything less to a lot of people. The popularity of the Ninja Turtles came just a little after my time, but I know that it meant a great deal to kids at that time. We all have fond memories of the cartoons we watched as kids, and those happy times wouldn't have been as happy without the actors who provided the voices of our favorite cartoon characters. On this episode of ARC, I'm going to go over my favorite voice actors and how their performances made watching television and movies that much more enjoyable. Later on in this episode, I'm going to give my review and commentary to a movie that is in the running for numerous Academy Awards. David O. Russell's American Hustle. This is ARC. God bless television. To the movies. To good movies. To every possible kind. I am the danger. I am the one who knocks. Is that a hair gel? <coughs> Loud noises! There's no crying in baseball! I'll be back. I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! These are their stories. From now on, I order you, watch more television than ever before. Welcome, one and all, to an all-new episode of Arts Review and Commentary. I hope you all had a great holiday, and I'm looking forward to making 2014 a great year for us all. This is just a reminder that episodes of ARC can be listened to in any order. You don't have to start at ARC 1 and work your way up the list. I think it's a great way to get people listening. Tell me your favorite episode by leaving a comment on SoundCloud, Facebook, or iTunes. And when you do that, tell your friends who haven't heard what your favorite episode of ARC is and get them to listen to it. Webbit. Dot Fire! Growing up, folks my age watched a lot of cartoons. It may surprise a lot of older folks, but yes, Gen Xers enjoyed Looney Tunes and Merry Melodies the same way Baby Boomers did. There's a certain timelessness to these cartoons that were produced over half a century ago. Granted, their casual depictions of violence, especially with guns, would seem difficult to make today, but given the context of the stories, Daffy Duck getting his bill swung on the other side of his face by a shotgun blast is hilarious. Mel Blanc provided the voice of Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck as well as other Warner Brothers characters such as 
Yosemite Sam. I'll get you, you long-eared galoot! Foghorn Leghorn. There's something, I'll say there's something kind of yeah about a kid that's never played baseball. Sylvester the Cat and Tweety Bird. We'll play Sandwich. Sandwich? Ooh, tootie-tootie. How do you play it? Marvin the Martian. The Earth will be gone in just a few seconds. Pepe Le Pew. A lady feminine female girl skunk. And even the Tasmanian Devil. He was not the regular voice of Elmer Fudd. That distinction belonged to voice actor Arthur Q. Bryan. The sheer amount of characters that were voiced by Mel Blanc meant that there were some obvious similarities between some characters. Take Daffy Duck and Porky Pig. Daffy was just Porky, but without the stutter. Now, even as a kid, I knew that they were all voiced by one guy. It even said so in the opening credits. But that didn't mean that the talent was any less appreciated. Today, the standard for having a unique voice for dozens of different characters in animation is a product of a demanding audience with high expectations from their voice actors. The versatility of today's voice actors is, in my opinion, unparalleled. But this episode isn't about today's actors, it's about the voice actors that I grew up with. Autobots, transform and roll out! Along with G.I. Joe, the Transformers was the bulk of my cartoon watching in the mid-80s, and there was no stronger voice of heroic leadership than Optimus Prime. While I knew from the credits of Looney Tunes and Merry Melodies that Mel Blanc did the voices of Bugs Bunny and Gang, I never found out who provided the voices for many of the cartoons we watched because none of the characters were listed along with their voice actor counterparts in the credits. At least, not until the internet. There, I found the name of the man who gave us that signature voice of Optimus Prime, Peter Cullen. His most famous role is that of Optimus Prime, but for many years he was also famous for providing the voice of Eeyore, the depressed donkey from Winnie the Pooh. When Michael Bay signed on to direct the live-action version of Transformers, fans all over the internet clamored for Peter Cullen to reprise his role of Optimus Prime, and reprise it he did. Freedom is the right of all sentient beings. You all know there's only one way to end this war. We must destroy the cube. Another famous voice actor from the original Transformers cartoon was a man by the name of Frank Welker. Most of his acting had been voicing animals, such as Abu from Aladdin to Bronx from Gargoyles, but his most famous spoken roles are that of Megatron and Soundwave from Transformers. Soundwave, play back Laserbeak's findings. As you command, Megatron. Dr. Claw from Inspector Gadget. I'll get you next time, Gadget. Next time. And Fred from Scooby-Doo. I just got the idea for a trap that'll solve this mystery. After Transformers, I kind of stopped watching cartoons for a few years. Animated stuff in the late 80s wasn't all that entertaining for a middle schooler. Then, in my senior year of high school, Batman, the animated series, premiered. And it, more than any other animated series, has influenced the resurgence of the popularity of superheroes and comic books in the past 25 years. I am vengeance. I am the knight. I am Batman. 
The series was known for its dark tone and animation. They usually drew the series on black paper. But most of all, it was its emphasis on intelligent scriptwriting that caught the attention of critics and fans alike. But it was the choice of voice actor Kevin Conroy to differentiate his voices between Bruce Wayne and Batman that has now become the standard for any actor performing the Caped Crusader, live action or animated. Kevin Conroy's portrayal of Batman is now considered the definitive one for many fans. Here is Kevin Conroy talking about how he was recognized while helping serve meals to first responders after 9-11. I live in New York. And um, I, uh, after the, uh, the attacks on uh, 9-11, we'd be getting all these, you know, hundreds of meals ready. And this one guy, in the middle of the night, like three nights into this, he goes, so my day job is I'm an architect. He says, what's your day job? I said, well, I do voices mostly. He went, I knew it. He said, you're the guy who does Batman. You're that Kevin Conroy. So he goes into this dining hall. And this is, you know, the first week after the attack. And there had been like just this somber sadness and you hear him go guys guys you're not gonna believe who's been cooking your dinners it's batman there's this long silence and you hear bullshit from the back of the place and he, and he said then someone else says make him prove it so I thought, oh this is good so i'm in the back kitchen and i do from the back kitchen i am vengeance i am the knight i am batman there's this long pause and then you hear from the back of the place holy f that is Batman! And suddenly people were laughing. And the architect who had recognized me said, uh, what's it feel like to be Santa Claus? Because that's what just happened here. If you can appreciate that feeling that those people felt hearing the voice of a superhero in real life, then you can understand the power that voice actors have. You may have been listening to this episode and rolling your eyes that I'm spending all this time over-romanticizing cartoon characters. But I can guarantee that every single person out there has a voice that has meant more to them than just sounds coming through a speaker. It could be a character from a cartoon, a DJ, an announcer, a news anchor, or even a podcaster. These voices mean so much to us because they offer us comfort and escape. And that is entertainment. Well, gang, I guess that wraps up another mystery. When we come back, my review and commentary for American Hustle. Hey guys, Mark from the Mark and Lowell Show here. Now you can get our show and Buzz's show for one annual package price. Yeah, and you forgot me. It's Lowell here also. It's here, the Realm Network All Access Pass. It's all our per-premium shows, and we mean all of them, plus Buzz's interviews, including his chat with Don Geronimo and the other exciting specials he has planned for the year ahead. You'll also get access to premium shows from our other great hosts. And every minute of Just a Minute with Joe Ardinger. And soon, all of it with expanded mobile technology. You also get ringtones and other extras, including window stickers. For $69.95, it's the best value on the web from the fastest growing network on the web. And it makes a very nice gift. Get yours and theirs. Just click on the orange all access pass at realmnetwork.com, buzzburbank.com, or of course, MarkandLowell.com. I want to show you something. This Rembrandt here. 
People come from all over the world to see this. Yeah, he's good, yeah. It's a fake. Right, talk about it. It's impossible. People believe what they want to believe. Because the guy who made this was so good that it's real to everybody. And who's the master? The painter or the forger? And so is the theme of American Hustle. The theme actually becomes a little bit clearer when you realize that the working title of this movie was originally American Bullshit. Everyone hustles, lies, or bullshits their way in order to make things work out for them or the people they care about. We even hustle ourselves. Now, that story is nothing new. We've seen that before in a lot of dramas, and there's nothing particularly original in American Hustle. We've all seen movies set in the late 70s, and they all feature the same outrageous hairstyles and fashions, cocaine use, soundtracks and disco, and fun with the technology of the period. What separates this movie from other period pieces is the acting. The all-star ensemble cast takes absolutely horrible people and makes them all very engaging to watch. The story almost takes a backseat to the performances. I think it's Jeremy Renner's best performance to date. Here's a clip featuring Jennifer Lawrence as Rosalind Rosenfeld trying to calm down her husband Irving, played by Christian Bale, after she accidentally sets fire to their brand new microwave oven. Carmine gave me, Carmine, Carmine. Why don't you just marry Carmine, get a little gold microwave and put it on a chain around your neck? You want to be more like Carmine? Why don't you build something like he does? Instead of all your empty deals, it's just like your f***ing science oven. You know, I read that it takes all of the nutrition out of our food. It's empty, just like your deals. Empty, empty. It's not bullshit. I read it in an article. Look, by Paul Berdour bring something into this house that's going to take all the nutrition out of our food and then light our house on fire? Thank God for me. A few episodes ago, I remarked that having great actors adds legitimacy to any kind of movie, even superhero movies, much the way Anthony Hopkins did in Thor. In American Hustle, we have a movie that has Batman, Lois Lane, Mystique, and Hawkeye all in the same room sharing scenes. I wonder if those actors ever talked about their various comic book franchises that they've been involved in. It's a very funny movie, but I've had some mixed feelings about films like these that are released at the end of a calendar year. You see, this movie was shown at festivals for critics and those that could afford to attend those festivals. After that, the critical buzz starts circulating before the movie has even hit major markets. In essence, the Hollywood elite are basically telling the audience that their movie is going to be good before the public has had a chance to see it and decide for themselves. Because of the buzz, will the public have a higher expectation of quality? Or will the public believe that the movie is better than how it really is because they're expected to like it? But, like I said earlier, American Hustle doesn't bring much of anything new besides new performances to the screen. As such, the experience of watching it on home video wouldn't be that much different than watching it on the big screen. Plus, the movie runs a little too long, with a few unnecessary scenes. There's a great cameo in the movie, but anyone who's ever seen any of David O. Russell's other movies would expect this actor to appear. Three and a half stars out of five for American Hustle. 
Worth watching for the acting, but I think you can wait until it comes out on video. That's it for this episode of ARC. Please visit artsreviewandcommentary.com for access to all of my movie reviews and ratings through the years, as well as Amazon shopping, links to all of the great shows on the Realm Network, and more. Like ARC on Facebook at facebook.com slash arcreviews. Follow the show on Twitter at arcreviews. And you can email me at artsreviewandcommentary at gmail.com. My name is Omar Latiri, and this is ARC. The preceding presentation was brought to you by the Realm Network. You, you gotta snap out of it, Lion-O! Call the Thundercats before- Shut up, you f- I should have known the Terrator didn't mean us any harm when the Sword of Omens didn't obey me. And anyway, it was just plain stupid to assume it might be bad, just- What the f*** am I talking about? <laughs> it's when Wily Cat and Kid are pretending to be the most helpful that they're dropping their pens on the thing? While I'm talking, I'm going to put this one right between her pretty. <laughs> That's the line of the show right here. Find the mega condenser. I'm saying that too fast. Let's find the mega condenser. Still going too fast. What's wrong, Lion O? <laughs> here it is again. What's what's here again? That thing, that that mega thing. Want me to say it? Yes. And keep your foot off that blasted Samo flange. What the f is a Samo flange? Samo. I have to do that again. Oh, Lionel, we're not. <coughs> What's the matter, Snarf? You got a cold. Mother. That dog, yeah. Shut the f up. Get over here, bitch. Ah, damn. Run out the fucking plank, boys. Come here, mother. Thunder. 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 Thundercats, I'm going too high. <laughs> You've got to get back to the lair, Panthro, before those mutants do something drastic. Come on, I will get yourself together. Come on, just something. I want to see your tits, my dear. Can't stand it. Going to pass out. Ah! 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 Can't hold on to it any longer.